Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And today we are actually doing a video interview. So if you'd rather be watching than listening, just head over to YouTube and type in We Don't Die Radio 372. A reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com, and every month we offer weekly classes in psychic, mediumship, and a special course called The Way to Your Spirit. And this month, it's the language of sensory perception. Now, for all of our classes, you can join us live, or you can do them by watching the replay, because I know we have people all over the world that are part of our community all the things you can find either on the calendar or the store page over at wedontdie.com. Today on the show, we are welcoming back Dr. Ann Clark, who is the owner of Wisdom for Wellness, offering past life regression, life between lives regression, and hypnotherapy. And we first met Ann on our show, it was almost five years ago, hard to believe, on episode 180. And we were talking about life between lives. So you might want to check out that recording. And today we're here to catch up with Anne, and we're going to talk to her about the afterlife and her new book, which is titled Healing from Great Loss, Facing Pain and Grief to Recover Your Authentic Self. You can find out more about Anne at BirminghamHypnosis.com. And you can also check out the NewtonInstitute.org. Dr. Anne Clark, welcome back to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here today. Uh, it's a treat for me. I can't believe we met, oh, five years ago when you were on the show about that long ago. Yes. And here we are. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's nice to see you healthy, well, in the land of the living. And now I'm sure you're up to so many good things. I've been busy. I bet you have. Do you want to give us just an overview of who you are and what you've been up to? And then we can... Well, I talk about new stuff. What's going on with you? I I am a retired professor and I'm a nurse. And I always wanted to be an academic researcher. So even though I got hints of the afterlife very early in my career as a nurse and more as I continued on, I put it on the back burner because I wanted to be the academic researcher. But it got to a point where it was too overwhelming and I felt a real pull to look further into the afterlife. So I retired early and established a practice in hypnotherapy, past life regression, and life between lives. And the rest is history. Wow. And you've been doing it for quite some time, right? Yeah, since 2007. Quite some time. And then you're involved with the Newton Institute? With the Newton Institute, yes. Now, my latest book was one that I really did not want to write because it was spurred by an experience in my life. Uh, I have, I have, I have one daughter. Her name is Stephanie. And back in 2016, uh, she died of an accidental overdose of drugs. And I was absolutely devastated. Even though I knew all about the afterlife, I'm a nurse. I knew all about death. I've been working with people for years in dealing with their grief. I was devastated and overwhelmed. And so that experience led me to really looking very deeply into the experience of loss and grief 
and what it means to us at the very deepest level. And out of that came this book, which I've dedicated to my daughter, Stephanie. Oh, absolutely. And I'm so sorry about that. I can't even imagine. Um, And, you know, no matter how much we believe in the afterlife or that we've studied grief, no matter what we've done, it doesn't make it any easier, does it? It really doesn't. And I want to add one caveat before I start talking a bit about the book. And that is there are literally thousands of excellent books out there about dealing with loss and grief in its early stages. That's not what this book is. What this book is, after you've passed through the typical stages that we hear about, and you've moved on with your life, you're going through your day-to-day activities, but you're far from over it. That's what this book is about. Um, I looked like I had gone completely back to normal. After a couple of years, I was re-engaged with professional activities and my busy social life took up again and so on. And I could pretend while I was out around others. But when I was alone, I realized I felt dead inside and all the joy, all the sparkle was gone out of my life. And I honestly thought I'd never get it back. Oh, well, tell us more. Well, that was when I took this journey of healing. Being a Michael Newton Institute Life Between Lives facilitator, I know that we are souls who come to earth and unite with the human body so that we can have experiences uh, here on earth so we can learn and grow toward enlightenment. And so that is what I went back to. And that is what helped me heal. What I discovered on this journey is the way to heal for me meant looking at loss from the spe- from the perspective of my real true self, my soul. So looking at loss from the perspective of the soul, that's what this book is about. And how, tell us a little bit about how that unfolded. Well, first of all, let me tell you a little bit more about us as souls. We okay. come here to earth to learn. And before we come, we plan each life very carefully. We pick out what we want to learn, what our purpose is going to be, the lessons we want to have, the experiences we want to have, and we recruit other souls to come along with us to be in our life, many of whom we've had lives with before. And uh, so we set it all up, but we get down here and we've got free will. So it might go the way we think it's going to go, or it might not. But no matter what happens, we learn. An interesting thing happens when we get down here. Even though we've made all these careful plans, we forget who we are. It's something called incarnation amnesia. And we think that our life here on earth is all there is. How else could we have a really authentic experience while we're down here? If we knew what it was all about, it really would not have much of a punch. So I've learned since working with Life Between Lives, that there's actually an earth curriculum. And one of the experiences that all of us as souls plan at some point or another on our soul journey is loss. Because loss teaches us many things and helps us grow immeasurably as souls. I tell you, 
I don't like thinking of that, but when I look at the loss that I've had in where I am now, I mean, I wouldn't have met you or anybody who's watching this right now or listening had my dad not gone the way he did and had I not started looking for answers. Yes. Uh, loss often leads us into a whole new phase in our lives. My book is not just about loss of a loved one. It covers all kinds of losses, like loss, uh, like divorce, mm-hmm. like loss of career, uh, financial disaster, health crisis, loss of identity, loss of independence. So it covers a variety of losses. So a lot of people that aren't looking for books on loss. I've, I found that when I first started writing my book, that I really wanted to share what I knew about grief, but I wasn't convinced that there were people out there really looking for it. And I was strategic because I was also studying the afterlife that I titled my book, We Don't Die, of course. Yes. And, and shared everything I could at the time that I knew. I know so much more now but I strategically put in chapter 10 about grief. So I don't think people are necessarily looking. And I also think, Anne, that people don't relate. Even what's happened with COVID and people losing, um, whether it's their jobs or their health or their way of life was turned upside down and so much time, everything just changed. I mean, that all is tied in with grief, correct? Yes. Yes, very much so. Yes. And then moving forward, go ahead. Well, I was going to say what loss of my daughter was for me was a great loss. And that differs from other losses. I had lost my mother, my younger brother, and I'd gone through a divorce earlier in my life. And all of those were painful, but they were nothing compared to the loss of my daughter. Because the loss of my daughter is what I call a great loss. And how does a great loss differ from other losses? A great loss differs from other losses in that a a large piece of our identity is tied up in who or what we lose. And when we lose that, whether it be a person or a quest or a lifestyle or whatever, when we lose that, we no longer know who we are, where we're going. We're devastated and we have to rebuild our lives from the foundation. So when you say you lose that part of yourself, I'm imagining you would know yourself as a mom, right? Yes. And then that identity all of a sudden is like, and you're still a mom, of course, because we know Stephanie yes. lives on, but it's it's different because she's not walking on planet earth. So you're yes. talking about kind of restructuring your identity and totally new. Who are you if you're not? Yeah, that That was what guided my day-to-day life. And suddenly it wasn't. And it was, uh, it was devastating. But um, again, let me say, this is not for people in the early stages of their grief. If someone had told me in the beginning, when I had first lost Stephanie, this is a great gift. You'd want to kill them. Yes, I I would have gone after them. Yeah. uh, With real intent. But um, it's for later. So uh, this is for when you've you've, uh, had some time to get through the early stages and you're left feeling kind of dead inside when 
the sparkle has gone out of your life. So what I learned is what's unique about great loss is it happens to us when we are not in touch with our inner guidance. It's our inner guidance that helps us steer our ship when we're here on on earth. And if we're not in touch with that, we're not very likely to find our life purpose or to learn the lessons we came here to learn. Well, how in the world do we get in touch with that? Because like you said in the beginning, I think we come into this earth and we've got things we want to learn. And yeah, I could have paired up with my dad and say, you do this this way and you do this this way. But then we get here and it's all forgotten. So how do we start? Well, a large portion of the book talks about how to get in touch with that inner guidance, but uh, you may think you're in touch with it and not be. So let me explain some ways you're not in touch with your inner guidance. What it refers to is either a focus on someone or something outside of yourself, or it refers to living such a busy life that you're so distracted, you have no focus at all, or you have chosen to live on the surface of life, never really diving deep to find out what's really going on Mm. inside. So any of those conditions constitute not being in touch with your inner guidance. Well, you got to give us a little taste of something because I, I know there'd be many people that will purchase oh, your book, but just give us a little, little appetizer if you could. One of the reasons that grief gives us a chance to get in touch with our inner guidance is because it stops us short and it knocks us out of our comfort zone and suddenly we're just there. So the first thing that we need to get in touch with our inner guidance is we need to spend quiet time discovering what's going on inside of us. Our our higher self, our soul self that we bring to earth with us is constantly whispering to us, giving us guidance. But when we're so busy, so distracted, so focused on someone else or something else, we can't hear those quiet whispers. So the first thing is time. The second thing I want to mention is we need to be present with what's going on. So many times we're there, but we're focused heaven knows where. A way to allow ourselves to be more present is to focus on our body, believe it or not. Uh, Focus on breathing, how we're feeling, and then just focus on what's happening right now at this moment. And then be quiet and listen. Can you hear something inside of you whispering to you, giving you a message, giving you some guidance, giving you some love? I think if we all only knew how much love there is in the space around us, we would be blown away. And sometime we'll we'll know that. Yes. But... Boy, I tell you, if I was in the spirit world and I had a loved one here, I would just be shouting. But you know what? They'd probably be busy on their cell phone and not paying any attention. Yes. So distractions, we distractions don't help because we can't be in the same place of being present while multitasking. We can't. But there are a number of things that help us get more in touch. I think uh, an excellent way for me was journaling. Uh, If we Take a time each day. For me, it's when I first get up. I'll write in my journal. 
And I'll get into it and suddenly I'll be writing things that I didn't realize I was even thinking about. Our higher self speaks to us through journaling of that type. A second thing is being out in nature and just taking in what's all around us and realizing we're all one. We're all a part of all this. That can bring us to that present, quiet time. The right music, music that moves us, can bring us there. Those are some of the ways that we can attempt to get in touch with our inner guidance. Oh, it's beautiful. We all need it for sure. And it was 2016 when Stephanie transitioned. Yes. And now, well, it's going on six years later, isn't it? Yes. How do you feel? I feel I I have reconnected with my inner guidance. I lost that connection. I had it earlier. I had it when I left my academic job and Mm -hmm. went into the work that I'm doing now. But my daughter had an unfortunate incident. She was, after she was out to dinner with friends, she walked to her car in a dark parking lot. She was assaulted, raped and robbed and left for dead. And she just had a very hard time afterwards. And I, as a mother, was totally drawn to helping her. And I would say for the next few years, I became virtually 100% focused on her Mm -hmm. and helping her recover. And I lost whatever connection I had had earlier to my inner guidance. And uh, so when I lost her, when she made her transition, I didn't really lose her. Let me make that clear. Uh, I didn't lose her at all. Uh, She's still here, just in a different form. Yeah, it's a, we don't have any good expressions for when people pass, transition, migrate, <laughs> lose. No, she's in the next room. She's I'm in, in this one room. and she's in the next room. But I can still talk to her through the wall. Talk, can you talk to us about that? You know, there's, yes. there's yes. people that are listening or watching for the very first time, having a clue who you are or who I am and our past or anything like that. But they've, they've. I'm going to say lost, lost a person to this world anyways. And what do you know about the afterlife and maybe with connections with Stephanie? My first experience came in a dream. I'd already woken up and I was sitting on the couch, but I fell back to sleep and I had this dream that was so vivid. I was just sure it was real. In that dream, I was standing in front of my daughter, sitting at her desk, typing on her laptop. And I was so happy to see her. I, I greeted her and I said, what are you doing? And she said, well, I, I think I'm going to go for a ride. And I said, oh, can I go with you? And she gave me this Mona Lisa smile and said, no, it's not your time. And then I woke up and I, I looked because I thought she was there. It was so vivid. That's one of the first ways our loved ones make contact with us. I know from life between life sessions that when anyone transitions to the afterlife, they stay close to their loved ones and they try to contact them. They try to comfort them. They try to let them know that they're okay. There are three things I've found they want them to know. 
One is they want them to know that they're okay. Two, they want them to know that they're still with them. And three, they want them to know they don't want them to grieve. They want them to be happy. I'm kind of at a loss for words. I'm just really thinking about the journey that so many of us on and are on and grieving is a natural part of being human. I so wish we could just turn it off and or press the fast forward button. It's a very important part of grieving. But um, then I, I took an active route to try and make contact with her. You did. Yes. And I started out with uh, Craig Hogan of the afterlife uh, research and education institutes method for getting in touch with our loved ones who transitioned. And I was starting to work on the program. Uh, and I was almost to the point where I was going to listen to one of the sessions and then try to connect. And I decided where to do it and everything on the patio where she and I used to sit and talk. Uh, but I wasn't thinking about it that day. I just walked out the door. I was going to go out uh, in the backyard, cut through the patio. And I got out the door and this stream of talk started coming into my head. And I probably would have thought, oh, I'm just crazy. But I heard the word hoodoo guru. And hoodoo guru is what my daughter called me with all my explorations into the afterlife. I hadn't thought of that name for years. I hadn't thought of it. And I knew immediately that was her. So I said, I actually said it out loud. Stephanie, is that you? And I got this strong response back in my head. Well, who do you think it'd be? Which is exactly the sassy kind of response I would have gotten from her. I've been hearing a lot lately about people that have been doing some automatic writing. Ties right in with journaling. They really relive the relationship and the love from their loved one. And they just start writing. And I'm hearing more and more stories of this, how people feel that the words coming out, it's their loved one because it's their expressions. They can feel their passion and they can feel them. Like you say, they're just right in the next room. Yes. So I think we'll probably be hearing more and more about that, but you just telling the story and then also talking about journaling. Our souls are so wise. We really are. And to be able to quiet down and slow down and get whatever thoughts are in the mind just down onto paper and then just keep writing. And you just don't know when that flip is uh, that uh, switch is flipped that it's the soul doing more of the talking or your loved one coming in, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I want to share my very favorite practice that helped me heal. And that was late at night when everything was over, the house was quiet, it was dark. I would turn off all the lights and I would sit in my favorite stuffed chair in, in the living room. And it was completely quiet. I would sit there and I would just be quiet and listen. And I started hearing these words. And at first I thought, it's just me, just my imagination, because they were very comforting words telling me, you need to eat better, you need to get more rest, you need to, all these comforting things. But from there, it transitioned into other things. 
it transitioned into, well, you know, you really don't like doing certain tasks in your practice. Why don't you move away from those and move to what you really like best? And I, you know, I started getting ideas. I discovered that that quiet time for me at night was when I could really listen to my inner guidance, to my soul self. That's great. And it was a a wonderful, sacred time for me. Mm -hmm. So many of us are looking for the answers outside of us, aren't we? Yes. And it's nice. Nothing wrong with watching a radio show, podcast, reading a book, watching a spiritual movie, any of that, because it's almost like it it's almost like a GPS. We put in a destination and then we forget that we're driving and it's like recalculating. It's trying to get us back on course. So yes, I think exactly. so many of those things can really help us get back. But I mean, I'm guilty of this too, Anne. You know, you think I'm no hoodoo guru, but <laughs> I love that. Oh, but um, I think you are. Well, okay. Well, thank I think you. We'll call you one. Oh, bless her. Uh, but I don't often use my, take my own advice, put it to you that way. So I think for all of us really to acknowledge the wisdom of our own souls and it's there yes, and it knows us better than anybody. Yes, absolutely. Going to support us and love us and help us reconnect with our dreams and yes, get us back on track. Yes. And I want to say I'm a nurse and I can't get away from that. I'm, I'm a nurse for life this time. And so I also looked at the effect that great loss has on our being, on our body. I was shocked, literally shocked at the strong effect that a really great loss has on our physical being. So in the book, I also talk a lot about what it does to us physically and what it does to us psychologically as we try to heal from the loss. Physically, I think that it's a time that we need to be vigilant and give ourselves the best self-care because it's very common in the in the first two to six years following a great loss to have a major health problem or an accident or an illness of some kind. But through vigilance, self-care, we can prevent that. I think psychologically, there's a lot of anxiety. It can change our relationships and it can change us. Life is never going to be quite the same. I do think it's important to know the roadmap that we will be traveling on or that we are, because I've heard far too many stories of people, whether it's drugs or alcohol that they've turned to or even hit rock bottom and taken their own life. When we are caught up in a great loss, we have no idea that it's part of the grieving process. We might think we are losing our minds or there's something wrong with us because we've never experienced it before. But wouldn't it be great? And that's why I feel so strong about sharing everything I know about grief and sharing you and your book as well, because to give people that roadmap to know that you're not going to like it. No, it's not pleasant. 
but these are some of the things you can expect or that may happen to you can really help you understand that grief is outside of you. It's not just, it's not you losing your mind. It's, this is what's happening internally. Absolutely. I think that the time following a great loss is a very difficult time. And the pitfall is that we allow ourselves to become bitter or to become very distracted again, or to become caught up in something outside of our life again. We will have, following a great loss, what I refer to as defining moments. These are actually not the big ones when we decide what career or who to marry, but they're smaller ones, day-to-day decisions. And they add up and they dictate the direction that our life is going to go. So in my book, I talk about, we don't know when these defining moments are coming. They come when they come. And we make a split second decision that takes us in one direction or another, and that has consequences for our future life. But we can prepare for them. We can prepare for them by visioning the life that we want to have. And then when these defining moments come, we'll make a decision in those split second times that will take us in the right direction. What kind of things are you talking about, these defining moments? An example would be that uh, I was asked to pick up some pretty major projects uh, about a year after Stephanie had made her transition. To go in the wrong direction, I would have accepted these projects. I see. And become very busy and very distracted again. And it would have taken me down the road of becoming so distracted and so busy that I never got down to what I needed to heal inside. Instead, I'd already thought that I need to heal this and I need to deal with these feelings. And so when those projects came along, I said, no, now's not a good time for me. And that's an example. Perfect. We have to be our best friend, don't we? Yes. Gosh, sometimes I wish there'd be a magic wand. Fairy godmother, just come make it all better. I think that the gift of a great loss is it gives us an unprecedented opportunity for soul growth and for discovering and learning the main lesson that we came here to learn in this lifetime. How do we discover what that is for ourselves, though? Because I mean, I think we all pick, we may pick different things. I don't know, coming in, but how do we begin to, do we look back on our past to see what we've been doing? Well, I think we do need to look to our past because when we have a great loss, it brings up every loss we've had in the past that we haven't healed. They all come up for healing. But in terms of finding our life lesson, I'll explain how I did it. And in my book, I've got a guide for finding your lesson. But the way I did it was I went through looking at past hurts that I'd had and I forgave myself for how I didn't live up to my expectations. And that was one of the hardest things that I had to do in my healing process. And I tried to pick the lessons out of each of those situations 
one of the things that helped me the most, though, was doing a life between life session. One thing about the soul is it can give us the information we need in the most simple, profound way so that we understand it at a core level. And that's what happened to me in my life between lives session. What I learned for me is that when I was taking care of my daughter after her unfortunate episode, I was helping her too much. And my lesson in this life is helping is good. We need to help each other. But we don't want to help so much that we fail to take care of ourselves and we help the other with things that they should be doing for themselves, for their own growth. And even though I taught that in my professional life, I didn't follow it in my personal life. It's all different, isn't it, personally? Yes. And boy, I wish I could see everybody who's watching or listening right now, because if I were to say, okay, raise your hand if you're somebody who's given a lot and really made a difference for other people. And sometimes maybe a little too much, you know, (laughs) I'd be right there. Because I think that's in a lot of our, I don't want to say it's in our DNA, but based on our past, it builds us to who we are. So yeah, we can be over caring. But yes, we need to start with number one here and be our own best friend and really maybe have that straight talk with ourselves. Because nobody else is going to do it. I think as much as we love the people in our life, they're looking out for their number one, ultimately, you know, and their families and things. So we we do have to be our, our best friend. Yes, we definitely do. And nobody knows better what we need for our healing journey than we do ourselves. That's true. But we need to slow down and we need to quiet down. And I love that sitting in the dark and taking that time in the evening. And I think that's a great idea. I don't know why, but sometimes I fear really being straight with myself or really looking at that kind of thing, almost like someone's going to say, or I'm going to say myself, oh, you shouldn't have done this, or you should have done this better. So when you mentioned forgiveness, I think that's something we all need to take on ourselves, each one of us or however old we are in life, we've done the best job we could with what we've had. Yes. So I say, and you know, there's things I could have done differently, but at the time I made the best choice I knew to do. So please, everybody, just forgive yourself. You did the best you could. But from this point forward, can we be our own best friend? Can we quiet down? Can we listen to our soul? Can we start journaling? And, you know, the answer to all these is is yes. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about the Life Between Lives therapy, because you've mentioned it a couple of times. And I know you co-authored the book, the other other book that you wrote a couple of years ago, Wisdom of the Souls. Yeah. And there's there's a lot there. And maybe you could talk a little bit about that. And yes. Well, what you're saying is so true. And the way I think about self-forgiveness, it's the hardest forgiveness to do. For most of us, it's very easy to forgive others, especially if they 
indicate that they have remorse. And even if they don't, perhaps. But forgiving ourselves, that's a toughie. And the way I've learned to approach it initially is to think about if one of my very dear friends or a family member came to me and said what I'm not saying Mm -hmm. about myself, how would I feel toward them? I would feel tremendous compassion. And so then I try to turn that to myself because that's what we need. Uh, We need that compassion. But I want to talk a little bit about life between lives and how that helps us heal. During a life between lives session, you're able to get in touch with your soul self, your real self. And the spirit guides and wise beings in the spiritual realm that provide us with guidance. One of the things that is very unique about that session in relation to grieving and self-forgiveness is there is just no judgment in the spiritual realm, none whatsoever. If a counselor or one of my friends tried to tell me, oh, you're helping Stephanie too much when I was in the middle of it, I think I would have been defensive. But when my soul told me that in a gentle, loving way during my life between life session, I got it. I got it at the core level. So one of the things about life between live session is they're non-judgmental. They're very loving. We come to realize that there's a lot of love there. The soul has a much different perspective of loss than we do. The soul sees loss as an opportunity because it's through the adverse situations in our lives and how we handle them that we grow. The soul also understands that as humans, it's really going to hurt when we experience a loss. And our soul is trying to send us love, guidance, caring, trying to surround us with love. And we can see that during a Life Between Lives session. Also, we can be given information about our lives and that situation that we're in currently that can open our eyes to what's really important to us and what it is that we want to achieve and the kind of person that we want to be. And this is... A lengthy process. It's not just a 20-minute yes, phone, phone call to your soul. The shortest one I've ever done is about three hours, and they can go up to five or six. Yeah, and I'm sure because of COVID, you now do them on Zoom. Is that what you do? Oh, yes, we do them on Zoom. Well, that way you can work with people all over the world. You know, it's funny. Uh, a number of years ago before COVID, I thought, oh, I'll never do one on on the internet, it just would never work. But actually, it works just as well, or maybe even better, because the person is in their own home environment, and they're more comfortable there. Are they sitting in a chair? Are they lying down? Recliner or lying on a bed. Okay. We do it via Zoom. And then you talk them through? Yes. My goodness. It's a very long relaxation and trance induction period. And then they're guided 
to contact with their soul self in the spirit world. And then I get out of the way and spirit takes over. Wow. Are they talking to you during this process? Oh, yes. I mean, I ask the questions, but spirit is guiding me and guiding them. Right. Right. My gosh, I'd want to have Kleenex handy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I have, I've never done that. I've never done a life between lives session, but it, it sounds. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. The only one person I would trust to do it. That'd be you, Anne. <laughs> I'd be think, honored. Oh, thanks. I think anything that can give us a, I don't, like, I don't even want to call it a jump start. I, I just think it's so easy to forget who we are. And we spend so much busy time, I think, with everything we have to do and not being so nice to ourselves. I mean, we would never say what we say to ourselves to another human being, you know, picking out all our faults and everything. But just to have an opportunity, and you may not need a Life Between Lives session to do it, but just to quiet your mind and look in the mirror and just say, hey, you're not so bad. You know, look at all the good things you've done. Look at who you are. Look at how much you care for others and how much you love. And again, it's taking me back to that be your own best friend because we do have this higher self. We have this wise part of ourselves. We just need to slow down to listen. You know, I hear so many times um, from people that have either they have an illness and they could pass away, or I've had a doctor tell me how many people that he's put under anesthesia. And it's those last moments that you just, they may be your last moments, but you really start thinking about what you should have done differently. And wouldn't it be nice to have that wake up call when we still have plenty of years left? It would be, but let me hasten to say that in the reincarnation cycle, we have other opportunities. Uh, If we don't do it this time, we can come back again, or we continue to learn on the other side. And I want to say something in case someone got the misconception that loss occurs in our lives because we're not in touch with our inner guidance. That is not correct. The majority of us go through life not in touch with our inner guidance, and we never experience a significant loss. No, the truth is that those of us who experience a significant loss during our planning planning process, have said, I want this to be a life in which I achieve significant growth. Therefore, if I get off track, I want these contingent experiences to occur, to give me an opportunity to get back on track so I can use the rest of my life in a very productive way. And it's not planned what it is. It's just whenever you get off track and you need to get back on track, the loss will be associated with what it is that got you off track. Um, Maybe it is you get too attached to a loved one, but it doesn't have to be a death. It could be that you have a big fight and you don't talk to each other for a while, or it could be that they get a job on the other side of the world, so you're separated for a while, but it's something to give you a time out so that you can get back to listening to your inner guidance and get back on your life path. Yeah. I think the cost of this lifetime. 
Exactly. For any of us, when we look back on our life, it really is through the toughest times that we get the most growth and the most education about life and we get to see who we are. You know, I really thought I was not a wimp because I'm a pretty strong girl, but I never liked hospitals and uh, doctors and things like that. I, I don't know. And when my dad was in his final months and in the hospital, oh my God, I became this superhero (laughs) that I didn't even know existed. The advocate for his health and stepping out of my comfort zone and doing research and talking to the doctors and I'm like, who, who are you? You know, and that side of myself would have never presented itself. That, That is great. I do think loss shows us our strength. Mm-hmm. And I think it also creates a situation where we become much more sensitive and compassionate toward others who are experiencing loss. I think so too. Yeah. There's, if you haven't been down the road of having a loss, experiencing grief, I mean, I know everybody will eventually, but those that have, those are the best shoulders to cry on because they don't try to fix things. They don't try to change things. They don't try to give you stupid advice. You know, they just listen and they're okay with you, however you are. Yes. And I think one of the things I've learned is we don't get over a loss or forget it. Uh, We'll always remember it. But as we heal, we remember more of the good times, the love, the laughter, the funny things that happened, and we feel a warmth when we remember. There still will be those times when, like I was in the grocery store the other day, and I was walking down an aisle where I used to buy special things for Stephanie that she really enjoyed, and I got this real pang of sadness. But, you know, it didn't last very long, and it was followed by a memory of how the last time I was in the grocery store with her, we were walking along, and I slipped I slipped on something and, and fell down right in the aisle. And when she found out I wasn't hurt, she just laughed, for, laughed her head off. And I remembered that with, with joy, and I thought, you know, that's life. There's a little bit of sadness, but there's a lot of joy and there's a lot of laughter and there are a lot of opportunities to love and to grow. Mm. Do loved ones ever come through during the life between lives therapy? Absolutely. Almost always. I've been working with helping parents heal other parents who've lost children and to date, pretty much a hundred percent they've come through. Oh, you just gave me goosebumps. Oh. I had an experience just recently that was very unique. It wasn't a parent who lost a child. It was it was a woman who came for other reasons, but she told me she'd always had an affinity for her grandmother. And so at the end of each session, I always, I do this even with past life regressions. I always say, is there anyone in the spirit realm who would like to come forward and offer us some advice or just say hello. And because she had such, <clears throat> excuse me, an affinity for her grandmother, 
I asked if her grandmother would like to come forward. And she had a strange reaction. She started shaking. You know, I could see the person as I'm working. She started shaking. And then she said, she started crying and she said, oh, my God, I was my grandmother. So she was her grandmother in a past life. Interesting. And then she went on to say, oh, that explains so much. That's why this and that. And she was just, it was a profound experience for her. Mm. Well, if it made a difference for her, that's what we're in the business to do is help people and empower them in their lives. As far as Stephanie goes, those moments that you're sitting quiet in your room, wherever in the evening, do you ever have flashes of her or hear her voice? And Absolutely. And one of the most wonderful things <clears throat> that has happened, uh, I have I have special times like on her birthday, on the date of her death, I always visit the Memorial Garden where I have her plaque. And on one of those occasions, the photos that we took show a big luminous heart right on my chest, which I believe was a visit from her. Um, The other thing that happens is, this has been about a year ago, but it was when I was doing a project that I was really invested in. And I had a day when things just didn't go well. Somebody dropped out that was important to the project and other things went wrong. And I was very dejected. So I came home and I just slumped down on the couch. And all of a sudden, I felt this familiar warmth. And I started hearing Stephanie talk to me in my ear. She was comforting me. That's very sweet. You need to have a quiet mind, though, to hear some of these things, though, don't we? Yes. Wow. Another thing I'd like to tell people is, you know, um, in the early phases of our grief, we will suddenly just start crying. And those are called grief bursts. But they don't last very long. Then they're over and you feel okay afterwards. I learned through Stephanie, she told me that the reason those grief bursts don't last very long is our lost loved one and our angels and guides come around us during that time, surround us with love and comfort us. And so they pass very quickly and we actually feel a little better afterwards. Yeah, I'm sure that they do everything that they can to let us know that they're alive they're, you know, dry our tears, all those things. I tell you that moment we take our last breath here and move into the spirit world or afterlife. And we get the big welcoming committee with all of our pets and our loved ones. And I just think we'll think, oh my gosh, what was all the fuss about? If I knew that I wouldn't have spent all those years grieving. Oh, well, I think everything that you are doing in the life between lives therapy and past life regressions and with your books and everything really is to help mankind, female kind, every kind really have a best, better life when we're here. And we've got a little time left. Do you want to tell us again, the name of your book, how people can get it, what your website is, because there might be some people that are interested. Yes. Um, I was just looking to see if I 
have one here on my desk, and I do. Uh, the book is called Healing from Great Loss. It actually is going to be released on January 8th. So that's, I guess, a few days from now. Mm -hmm. uh, the Kindle version is already out, and the Audible version is already out. And they can be ordered from Amazon or any any place that sells books. But the paperback, this one, will not be out until January 8th. Well, chances are the bulk of the people watching or listening right now will listen after that day. But you can still get it on Kindle until that time. And did you record? Did you? Are you the voice behind your audio? I wanted to be, but I'm not. Uh, there's someone else did do the voice on the book. Well, we're talking to you now, so we know your voice. And how about your website? Uh, my there's a a website for my practice, uh, www.birminghamhypnosis.com, and uh, for the book, www.healingfromgreatloss.com. But that is still partially under construction. It should be up in the next few days. No problem. But people can contact you through Birmingham Hypnosis. Yes, or they can contact me through um, Hypno and Clark, H-Y-P-N-O-A-N-N-C-L-A-R-K at gmail.com. Well, you might get a few emails. You may just... Oh, Anne, thank you so much for being our guest today. Well, Sandra, it was a pleasure speaking with you today. And I would be delighted to give you a complimentary life between lives session. Oh my gosh, I would never ask for that. But bless you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Oh, I feel very special right now. Now, <laughs> I do feel very special right now. And I want everyone just to feel special yourselves. I mean, we are one of a kind. If you got to pick anybody in the world who you want to be, wouldn't you just want to be yourself? You know yourself. You've got a lot of great qualities. There's always stuff to work on. Certainly there are, but nobody loves like you. Nobody's got a sense of humor like you. You're one of a kind and you're just the way you're supposed to be. So forgive yourself for whatever happened in the past and um, take the time and slow down and get in touch with your soul. Oh, I love that. Uh, and thanks again. It was my pleasure. It's great to see you again. Oh, I, my heart is filled with love right now. And for our listeners or for our viewers, just a reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com. This is episode 372, which is so hard to believe that there's that many hours of interviews talking to great people about the afterlife, about grief, about living a good life. Um, yeah, grief has changed my life, certainly, because now I really want to help people every way I can. Our, like I said, home base, we don't die.com, but whether you know it or not, we offer a free Sunday gathering, which is our inspirational Sunday service. Not like any service you've ever belonged to ever, 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 ever. It is filled with joy and happy music and good positive words to help you live a great life friendship. And at the end of each and every one, we've got our friends, Carrie McLeod and Philip Dykes, who are evidential mediums. So they do medium demonstrations to our Zoom group. So that's really great. I mean, I think it's, we do love to give. And then we've got for all these online classes, which are great. You get replays if you can't be with us live. And 
it's pretty cool to tap into your own psychic or mediumistic abilities and, and realize, yes, you are so much more powerful than just being the body. As for free gifts, if you go to wedontdie.com, scroll down a little bit and join my email list. You get a free copy of my book, We Don't Die. It says just the first few, few chapters, but it's the whole book. And also a very healing audio called How to Survive Grief and some other stuff as well. So we don't die.com. I've said that now lots of times. <laughs> we also have a really good Facebook group. A shout out to our Facebook friends watching today. Again, at our home base, we don't die. Just go to the top and click on Facebook group. We have over 6,000 members who they're, they're best friends for life. People that are into this conversation know the greater reality, have lived through grief. Some are in the process, but we all help each other. So it's a really great place to be. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain. I'm always so happy to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. But I think if we can all take that first step of slowing down, quieting, whether you journal or not, but find that time to get in touch with your own very wise soul and start letting it lead you on your pathway. So I want to thank you for listening or for viewing and we'll see you soon.